Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth-generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation, so sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. And welcome to the Stitch Please podcast. I am your host, Lisa Wolfork, and I am happy and delighted, as always, to introduce another amazing guest to you today. That's Sarita Price. And she is going to talk with us today about her sewing space. The Sewing Spaces series is something I'm really excited about because there are so many ways to do it that there's no one right way. When we think about our sewing in general, all of us are as different as our sewing styles. We are different. You can put a hundred black women that sew together and we will all come up with something different, right? And so there's no one way to erect a sewing space, to design a sewing space. What all of us need to flourish is something that only we know within our own hearts and with our own minds. And so Sarita is an exciting example for me because her work is exquisite. She is patient, she is thorough, and she gets some absolutely amazingly fitted garments. I wanna reiterate that because sometimes I feel like with sewing, and I'm not sure if this is because of the age in which we're in, where it seems to just be like produce, 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 make, 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 make something every day, make something to wear every day. It's just constant, constant production. It's not enough, I think, praise given to the slow, sustaining, careful process. It might not be flashy. It might not be look, I made my entire wardrobe for this quarter. You know what I mean? It might not be that. But what you, what you do make is going to fit your body and nobody else's. And that is the kind of work that Sarita does. I have just been so um, obsessed with her style, with her approach. And y'all, she made a sports bra that is supportive and beautiful and did it close in the front yes it does closes in the front shocking listen y'all if you can find a sports bra that can that can support some substantial tatas not the ones that can support the golf ball size but the ones that can support two grapefruits and let you run and jump up and down and not slap yourself in the chin you are doing well (laughs) And this is what Sarita has done. Welcome, Sarita. Welcome so much to the program. I'm so glad you're here. I'm super excited to be here. This is excellent. I also have to admit, I also have to mention that Sarita is the second University of Virginia alumna that I have spoken to on the podcast this year. Like, how does that happen? So were you at UVA? Because I've been here since 2000. Did we ever overlap? We had to overlap. I was there in 2000, 2004. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Why? I, I, I'm trying not to have my feelings hurt because the other person 
spoke with, Rika Barton. She's the scholarly sewist. She's in graduate school now out in California. And she went to- Wasn't UVA. she in the architecture school? She was in the ed school. Ed school. Ed school. I feel like in I, I heard school. that name. See, y'all found each other, but no one managed to find me. So thanks for <laughs> I'm not going to take it personal. But I'm so glad to be in community with you now. Thank you so much for being here. Can you talk a bit about this, one, about your definition of what an ideal sewing space needs? So for me, an ideal sewing space is a frictionless environment. I do not believe in suffering for my art. I will not have it. I will not do it. So we are going to make it as comfortable and convenient as possible. Things need to be at my fingertips. When I'm sitting or standing at my cutting table, I, there's no back pain. I can stand on a nice soft surface. There's no knee pain. It has to be easy. So that's kind of all the things that I keep in mind when I'm trying to organize my space, how I set it up. There's different stations uh, for each of the different points of the sewing process. Wonderful. So what I hear you saying is that this is about ergonomics. It's that you want to make sure that you have comfort and ease when you are engaged in your sewing practice. Has your space always been that way for you or have there been some profound changes? Like how did it start? What was the beginning like? Oh gosh. It started with a a sewing machine I bought, bought off of Amazon. It was like that basic brother one. And I had one of those leaning desks that lean against the wall and had a little shelf that came out and it was just enough space to fit my brother's sewing machine. But the desk was really low. And as a tall person having to like crouch down and tuck her down and sew was a little inconvenient. So I was like kind so of- Your back was like, your back was curved. Yeah, like, cause my like chair, a... it wasn't even a rolling chair at that point. It was just a regular chair. So there's literally like no place to like even go any lower. And then I also started cutting on the floor, which that, that lasted one project. And then I was like, we have to do something. And at the time, I, I wouldn't say that I was eager to spend a lot of money because this was early on in my sewing process. I didn't know if it was really going to be a long-term type thing. So my first solution to the cutting situation was whenever I wanted to sew, I would pull out the console table in my living room. I would put four bed risers on it. And then I purchased from the hardware store, a giant piece of plywood, which weighed about 35 pounds. <laughs> and every time I wanted to sew, I'd pull that plywood out, put it on top of the bed risers, on top of my console, and then very gently, because it was kind of precarious, cut on that table. And it, it worked for a while, about a year and a half, I was, I was able to handle that. And, and eventually that, that became too much as well. <laughs> The 35 pound arm and shoulder workout. Yes. That, that, that <laughs> to lift out that 35 pound plywood tabletop. That was intense. I didn't know any better. I thought, oh, you don't want a piece of wood that's not going to bend. So you wanted to get, I think it was like an inch thick and it was Woo. a good 48 by 36 wide. Cause I didn't want it to be too big. How did you get that into your apartment? A dolly. I rented a zip car to go to the lumber yard. And had it cut, put it in the car, had the doorman help me <laughs> get it out of the car. <laughs> yeah, and, and eventually got it up. But it did, and then at one point, it wasn't long enough for my needs because I was having the really long pieces as I started to do more pants and like more longer right. gowns and that sort of thing. I needed a longer table. So I went back to that lumber yard, bought the same thickness of plywood, bought some hinges and attached the hinge at the end. So it would like flip up and down. 
It was the most. It was doing the most. <laughs> That's very impressive, though. I love the way that we as sewists have, we will find creative ways oh. to do what we want to do joyfully. Mm-hmm. I, I think when you said you wanted to be frictionless, yeah, I was like, yes, you want it to be, you want to go from one thing to another. You want to be able to easily move without. And I remember, I don't have to remember, I have been cutting on the floor up until last year. I've been sewing for more than 20 years. I just started standing to cut a year ago, a year ago. Everything else was pretty much, if it was big, if it was small, I could cut it on. Mm -hmm. I had a cutting table that went on top of my ironing board and it was very narrow and I could cut on top of the ironing board, but it was limited. It only went three, it only went one yard one way yeah. and then two feet the other way. And if it was one of those weird pieces that were like mm-hmm. sideways, weird shaped, I had to put it on the floor. So I would just lay out like seven yards of stuff on the floor. I'd put the pattern pieces down and just see Then I would get a pillow for my knees. <laughs> um, and then I was like, I made a wish. I essentially made a wish. And I was like, I wish somebody would make me that. What I really wish, I was like, I, I hear the plans for the, it was the, the, the cutting, it was some cutting table that a fabric company had put out, a pattern company, co- Closet Core. Oh yeah. Closet. I, I was like, I wish somebody would make, what I really wish, I want to make this table. I want this table. And actually what I really want is someone to just make it for me. And so I put this out like on Facebook and someone was like, oh, my husband likes to do stuff like that. We'll make, he'll make it for you. He totally did. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yes, yes. And so but that's why for the first time in more than 20 years, I can now cut and stand at the same time. That is a beautiful thing. Um, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But you got fat, you got smart faster than I did. You said that you could not do it beyond that first one. What oh. happened? Was it because wait, was your back and knees just hurting too much? And were you like, what made you think that this floor is the pits? Just because it was on the floor, like I was not about that like, crawling around on the floor life. That just was not. And again, I, I don't have a ton of space. So trying to, and my apartment looked different then, but trying to navigate the furniture, trying to lay out the fabric, keep it on grain. Cause like, these are all important things, right? And just yes. the one little project doing that was enough to be like, this is for the birds. No, we're not, ha- no, not having it. So, but to your point about building something or having something made. Like I said, that heavy plywood top, lifting it out every time I wanted to sew wasn't really a long-term solution either. So I literally drew up plans and it was a beautiful piece that I had drew up, drawn up. It had uh, cabinets. It was a floor to ceiling piece with uh, bookcases, slots for my sewing machine, slots for the long rolls of muslin and everything else. And then the piece de resistance was going to be like a piece of art over the front of it that would fold down into a table. So I literally drew this all out. And honestly, Lisa, if I'd had a she shed and lived in the in Alabama or Virginia or wherever, where I had space for all those things, I would have built it myself, but I don't. So I actually went to a couple of cabinet makers or in the New York City area and got quotes. The cheapest quote I got with no bells and whistles, just basically here's some plywood in the format you've requested was about $3,500. I know the one that I really liked, of course, was the guy who quoted me $7,000 for it and was like oh yeah we could totally do that this da, da, da. and I was like that's the dream and of course these are quotes that were not in my budget I was like I don't oh, I don't know like I, I don't I don't really want to spend all that and 
my parents came to visit a little bit after that. And I was still in this, maybe if I just start saving now, I can get it done in a couple years from now. And I was like, but I don't want to wait a couple years. Right, I was right. explaining this to my mom. She was like, what, what can you do in the meantime? Cause I'm like, I'm not going to keep doing this. And I was like, basically like, I just need something like the size of my door that folds up and down against the wall. And she's, why don't you do that? <laughs> and so I did. So I don't know if you can see behind me. Yes. This is, that's my, that's a door. It's my sewing table. And do you, I can show you how it folds down. If you like. show, yeah. this, show okay. us, show us, show us. All right. So, so this, it is why, actually, this is why y'all should be a Patreon supporter because you get to see this. Oh my gosh. So it has what? two like hinges. This whole piece that you see right here is the door. I have it on a little hook that folds up and then it just folds down. What? Yes. And so it has on the, let's see if I can switch this around for me now. Okay. So on the table, I have two cutting mats. It, I can, I can, sew, I can cut and organize on three different sides, but yeah, this is, this is my cutting table. It's at my hip height. So I don't have to bend. I can reach all the way across without having any sort of back issues. And what's also nice, this also serves as a pressing station. So underneath the mat, I have some aluminum and because to your point earlier, ironing boards are really small. So I made an ironing mat that covers the entire thing. So now I can press yardage of fabric. And the reason I have the aluminum here is because it prevents heat transfer. So I can put it on top of my rotary cutters on top of the wooden door and um, no damage is done. And it won't so, warp. And it doesn't warp. So yeah, that's, that's how that kind of Works this there. is genius. Oh, and look, yeah. you have your rulers and rotary rulers yes. hanging. So those are hanging right there. Those are the ones I use the most in this area. I have a bunch of other um, rulers and stuff elsewhere, but yeah, that's uh, that's how that works there. This is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. I am so glad that I got to see that. And because I was, I was feeling kind of sad when you were describing before how you were like, I don't want to spend the 35 seems like a lot just for the basic yes. version of the vision. And then the 7K, wow. But then are you satisfied with what you've oh, done yeah. now? I had thought that this would be the interim solution, but it has worked out so, it's literally a door. I, I used to have a highlight on Insta, but they deleted it, but it was like 80 bucks to do that. The door was the most expensive part. It was like 36, $37, I think. And then I had to buy a little bit of wood, a two by two, cut it to the length of the legs I needed. And then the hinges, those are like another $15 or so. Yeah. A wall mounted store away. Cutting table. Cutting table. Yeah. And I'm just waiting. I have some art that I've picked out. I'm waiting for the, the woman to put the pieces back up again. And then they'll just look like a wall. So when it folds up, it'll be like three pieces of art along it. And then it'll fold down when I need it. Y'all are going to want to see this, y'all. This is worth the Patreon money right here. Again, it's already, it's, it's been worth the Patreon money because it's really, I'm asking for like $2 a month. But y'all will want to see what Sarita had made in her house for $80 that if somebody was selling it, it would be thousands. Yeah. It's, it's so convenient. It's incredible. So you fixed your cutting issue. So yeah. you're not crawling around on the floor and getting hip issues or knee issues or anything like that. Tell me about, I, I, as you, I, I was, as you were turning, I saw your little cutting, your cutting tool station. So how do you organize? Oh. 
How do you organize your notions? I tend to hang things on the walls. That's, I have a lot of space. I can do that. How do you convert your notion storage to be what you want it to be in your space? So notions will vary. They're like general sewing notions that I want at my fingertips. So if I show you my, my little, the ones I use all the time are the ones yeah. here. So I have a little oh, yeah. Ikea pegboard, which I will always be held hostage by this because they only sell, they're the only ones that make the accessories for it. I would recommend a regular cut of pegboard in the future. But anyway, so I have like my sewing notions, my scissors, rather all of my tape measures, my wonder clips, some pattern weights, pins, uh, and taping. Are those are pattern weights that you make as well. Serena, oh yeah, those these are, are mine. Yeah. These are my oh, favorite look, ones I make look, all the time. She makes pattern weights as well. And that is lovely. Yeah. And I so love, I also love. have this Ikea Alex drawers. Yes, um, and they're you. organized by type. So I have more pattern weights. I have all these different rulers and curves, more of the specialty stuff, wow. pattern adjustment things. So marking paper, graphite paper, uh, construction paper, et cetera. Then in the second drawer, more wow. of things that I use. So I have like different bins of different sizes. So needles and sewing needles, hand needles, lots of additional cutting scissor utensils I don't use as often. And then marking tools. So like little yes. and little rulers and, and things like yes. that. Yes, so. I had that same little Nancy Zeman slide thing. Isn't that amazing? Oh, it's wonderful. I use it all the time. And then I have all the thread in the entire universe. One can never have too much thread. And then I think, oh, and this one here is like pressing stuff. So all my little oh my gosh, pressing you can fit a pressing ham yes. in, your, um, in your clappers in that drawer. Yeah. I didn't know it was deep. The ones wow. that the towards the, the bottom three are a little deeper. So you can actually okay. put something a little uh, it bigger. It's like there. I'm visiting my own house. It's like we're related. Cause I'm like, oh, I have some of that tape. <laughs> I have this. I have that. Yeah. So I, it, it's just convenient. Cause like I sew right at my, my desk and my desk actually is Ikea as well, but it, it's a standing desk that you can roll it, up and down. The I have that same one. Yeah. I have that same one. My husband put it together for me. Yeah. Um, and just like you crank it. And, and, uh, and another friend had it. I saw it at her office and she was like, if I were to do it again, she had the electric one that you press the button. And she's like, if I were to do it again, I would get the crank because yeah. if the unit goes out or electricity. And I was exactly. like, good note. And so I had the same one that you have. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Excellent. So let's transition to talk about the patterns okay. because I know you have been working very hard okay. and you recently did an um, you recently did an inventory and learned that you have about, was it 300, 400 it's paper three, patterns? Yeah, 300 plus paper patterns. Don't feel bad. Because I have a thousand. Woo! Okay. okay. A thousand, yeah. and I might sell about 20. Yeah, pretty much. The same, the same 20 <laughs> for the last 20 okay. years. Pretty yeah. The same ones. So, no judgment. But you don't want your 300 patterns. You are making, tell me about your relationship right now to your printed patterns, your, the, one, the commercial ones that you've bought in envelopes, and as well as the ones that you've printed out from PDF. How are you managing that paper? Oh, how am I managing them? First of all, I realized I had way too many of them and I wanted to start to tone it down a bit. In terms of how I got them, <laughs> I live in, I just want to side note, I live in New York, so there's no Joanne's nearby. But as I started sewing, my mom really wanted to support my new habit because she, that's how I, I learned to sew from her. She would always be oh. like, oh, I'm, I'm going to Joanne. They're having a sale. Do you want anything? And I was like, yes. <laughs> so I would go online and my mom would send me sewing uh, care packages full of patterns and they pile up quickly. 
And eventually I realized I had so many, I didn't know what I had when I started buying duplicates. So I created an Excel spreadsheet. So every time uh -huh. I got new patterns, I'd list them there. And it just became too much. I've been trying to downsize in my apartment just because I feel like, you know, in these pandemic times being trapped here all the time means that I want, I need more space. I need to feel lighter. And yeah. the giant, giant bin of 300 plus patterns was just weighing on me. And I could never find anything. I would pull it out and it would be so packed. I would pull one out and 20 would go. Yes. And it's not a good feeling. And so I think a week or so ago, I decided, okay, now's the time to purchase patterns. And I was honestly dreading it, but it, it, it was not as bad as I thought it would be. Because I think as you mature as a sewist, things that think more, more things about your style and about how you want to sew. And maybe you don't need the basic pattern on how to make a pencil skirt, right? I don't need that anymore. I can, I can let it go. Or yes. like I have two dresses. They have the exact same bodice and skirt, but a different sleeve. I can drop the sleeve. I don't need both. Pick one, move on. So I, I went through all of them and, and made sure that it either fit my style going forward. It had a technique or some sort of, uh, special thing that I hadn't tried before wanted, or a style I wanted to try, it had to fit because my sizes shift over time, right? And so if I know that it's a single size pattern and I'm, never, I'm not the size anymore, I don't want to grade it, goodbye. And then some of them are just sentimental. Like I had spent a long time looking for the, like there's like a Burberry trench uh, McCall's pattern. That's basically a knockoff. And I was like, I'm never letting this one go. <laughs> keeping that one. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to make a trench go if it's even my style, I'm still keeping it. So once I did all that, I was able to use those lenses to pare it down, I think at least by half. I couldn't count because I thought if I counted and I added up the math of how much money I wasted on patterns I'm never going to sew, I, I, I would not have been able to handle it like a mature adult that I am. So <laughs> I just didn't, I haven't counted yet exactly how many I have left, but I was able to downsize from a huge bend to about half the size. That's amazing. And what I love about what you're describing to us is that creating a perfect sewing space is the result of a process. And that you found what you, you, you tried something and then you're like, oh, this doesn't work, or I don't like it this way, so I'm not going to cut on the floor anymore, and I'm not going to pay between thirty-five and seven thousand for my masterpiece design yeah. table. But instead, I can find an interim solution that actually can let me spend more money on the art that's on the outside of my new fold-down table. And also, it can inspire a process, right? I just really love the way that you have thought to ask questions about ways to make your sewing life, in your word, frictionless. You were feeling heavy and weighed down by all the patterns that you knew you weren't going to sew. You, or the, you know, for me, I purged fabric. It was like, I had a whole unit. Ooh, I have to do that next. A whole unit of fabric. And I was like, this stuff has been here and it need not be. And I would rather have the space than looking at the stuff, right? you know? Cause then, you st then it starts to get loaded with all, like you were saying this, I don't want to count how many patterns I'm giving away because then I have to look and think about that money. That, <laughs> I don't even think about that because I'm like, you know what? I already spent it Go. and it's not, I'm not saving money by keeping it. Like 
that's not that's not happening. It's that that stuff's already done and been amortized over the many years it's been mm-hmm. sitting in the corner collecting dust. So you said that now fabric is going to be your next step, but do you do a lot of PDF pattern sewings as oh. well? I'm working with is that I do a lot of big four patterns and I've got, as I said, about a thousand of those. And then I started with the PDFs, but because I have, as, as I say, a medical condition that prevents me from taping patterns mm. because taping patterns <laughs> reduces my will to live. So I cannot take PDF patterns at all. Like I just cannot, it's a medical issue. Like I don't want to endanger myself. <laughs> So I buy the, I only get AO PDFs. And so I have created two little, I got two little trash bins from a surplus store and I just roll them like architect blueprints. Oh. and just They're all like stuck in there, like in a corner. And, and, and there's only so many that can fit in there. So it's, you have to decide, <laughs> are you going to actually sew this or should you give this to somebody else who could use it? How do you manage your PDFs? Um, I do not have that metal condition. I actually, I find it very satisfying to tape patterns together. Because <laughs> often I, I see it as- more... I wish we live closer to each other <laughs> so you can tape all my patterns together. But then if I live close to you, I would have, I would not have a thousand PDF, a thousand <laughs> But I also feel like it's one of those things that you can do when you assemble a pattern. Like when I don't really feel like sewing, like I don't really feel like cutting, like it's a part of the process that gets me closer to creating. So I find it satisfying in that, in that regard. Also, I don't have space to store AO patterns. And I also prefer, I, the thing I like about PDFs is that you can cut them up and then, oh, I messed up. I can just print it again. Like, I think that's because I always have to make so many changes to fit my body. I can never really cut the tissue straight out if I want to be able to go back to it. If I, you know, make a mistake or I want to try something different. So I'm either constantly tracing the tissue paper, but then I can just cut it or reprint with the PDF. So I, I really like that. But in terms of storage, I'm apt to, I'm very quick to throw things out if it's not working. Like, you know what? I don't want this one. I can throw it away. I can reprint it. I don't, unless it's, a PDF pattern that becomes one of those tried and true type patterns for me, I kind of throw it away when I'm done. Wow. That's amazing. So you, wow. Yes. Okay. And so you don't mind like saying, so like you don't, once you've taped up the pattern, you don't just roll it up and try to put it somewhere. You're just like, I'll trace it, make my pattern, sew the thing, like it, wear it. I'm done with it. Yeah, I, there aren't that many that I repeat sew because I think my favorite part of sewing is fitting. I love the puzzle of it. I love the challenge of it. And so it, oftentimes, unless it's, I just really need a t-shirt right now, right. I will take the pattern not tried versus the one I've done before just to keep myself interested in and learning. Yes. So you, we talked about your patterns, talked about the cutting. I would love to hear about your approach to sewing machines and sergers in terms of the hardware, in terms of the things that we need to sew, the sewing machine, the serger, or an overlocker since you just got a new overlocker. How do you deal with and manage machine storage in your space? Um, my machines actually sit out most of the time. It kind of, it, it makes me happy to look at them. It makes me happy to think, oh, I could be sewing in five minutes with that. But when people come by and I need space for things, let me switch around again. So this desk that I'm sitting at now, that's where my, this is my FOF, it's my main machine. And it just sits there. It's like easy to access. I could turn it on and add a hem or whatever really quickly. 
Then for right. my serger, I have a baby lock that sits to my left. So I can easily sew on my sewing machine, turn to my left, do my serger. And I will say, I highly recommend these sew steady tables. They have I was gonna changed ask about that. my life. Like, it's so not tell me about this. Let me, ask, let me ask you a question about your sew steady table. Mm -hmm. So you are sewing in a small space mm -hmm. and yet you find it helpful to have an extension table yes. for your serger. Tell me why. I find it because I, I don't like, because a lot of times when you're sewing, uh, especially if you've pinned using pens or wonder clips or whatever, the weight of the fabric can pull it out of place. And it's really annoying if you have a very shifty type of fabric. So what I find yes. is having an extension table allows the fabric to like rest and not pull on itself. And I get a better result when I'm sewing. And I find that both with my serger and with my sewing machine. And so even though I do have a small space, I try to store them in convenient places. So my sewing machine table actually just slides into this little oh, slot here. So that. when I, yeah, so when I'm ready to sew, I just pull it out and go. The serger one I use quite a lot. And then my last machine is my cover lock. I don't necessarily need it for that so much, but I do have a, an extension table for that one as well. But the only ones that get stored away really are my serger and my cover stitch. And they go in this little cabinet here. There's like oh, a space at the bottom. Is that your iron? Is your iron in there as well? Yeah, my iron's in there as well. This is, I just bought a new cover stitch. So that one I have to sell right there. But yeah, this yeah. is where more notions of stuff go. great for so. Oh, I see that you have that thread catcher. I saw one of your um, lives that you oh, used yeah. to. That's the one that I have, but I find that sometimes I don't know. I don't know if I'm just not putting it in the right place, but I still think the stuff kind of goes everywhere. It does. So it's annoying. I, I would I much rather have, and that's why I'm going to get the yeah, one that I you, love that one. Maybe I'll get a purple, maybe I'll, maybe she'll give me a purple dinosaur to go with. Mine. Yeah. She has different colors. Apparently. <laughs> this is so wonderful. This yeah, is so, so wonderful. That's how my sewing machines go. Ideally, I would like to eventually get rid of that black cabinet and store everything. I have an, a storage ottoman that stores fabric straps right now, but I would like to get my machines in there instead, but it's baby stuff. So we gotta go. You have been doing a wonderful day. job. And that's one of the reasons I was so excited to speak with you. Cause I know that you've been working on your space and like going through things and, and going and, and connecting the ways that our stuff also connects to our feelings yeah. and our emotions. And so if you're in the room and it's cluttered and you're thinking, Oh, yeah. This makes me feel heavy. Let me get rid of this stuff and yeah. have more space. And then you feel lighter. Yeah. You know, makes so it easier to create. It makes it easier to create. I love that because you have made that space for yourself. So what are some of the big challenges you anticipate about the fabric purge? Oh, um, what's going to be required for that? Because that is the thing that I know that I struggle with. I've been on a fabric buying ban for this is year two really of buying fabric really? and the, the so problem was not bought fabric for two years not and only for specific projects and if I don't have what I need so those are the only exceptions so if I didn't like if I was making a coat and I didn't have a lining I was allowed to go buy lining or if I didn't have enough in any of my coatings I could go buy a coating but nothing just impulse buying and the reason for that is there was a time a few years ago in New York where literally garment district stores are going out of business every other day. And of course I had to go to the, I was going out of business sale. I'm like, I would come back with giant Ikea bags full of fabric that oh. would eventually just start piling up. I would literally, there was one day I opened my bathroom closet and I was like, why is there fabric? In here? <laughs> like I was running out of places to store it. And actually that is what prompted me to buy sort of my wall of uh, my wall unit. So I could have a place to actually put all my fabric. So let me show you that right now. So the wall unit, this is the, my bedroom. 
at the foot of my bed. And it's three Ikea cabinets, floor to ceiling um, with doors. The doors used to be glass, but I didn't like seeing the stuff behind the glass. So I covered yes, them yes. with a, yes. like a wallpaper kind of thing. But yeah, so all the, all the fabric I have, which at one point I, I folded them all up and I have over 300 pieces of fabric, not yards. That's beautiful. Yes. This is just my wovens. These are all of my wovens. And what I did was I bought these magazine boards that they use for like comic books and the like, comic and I wrapped book. all my yes. fabric, cut the size and each fabric yes. part in there. Has, yes. a little, has a little tag that says what type it is, the width, the yardage, if I've washed it nice and where I bought it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. So did yeah. you go to the one in Manhattan or the one in the, you must've gone to the one in Brooklyn. Yeah. The Brooklyn one. I like, I like that one better. There's more options and it's cheaper. I'm, I'm on oh, team, yeah. like more affordable. Yeah. So that's just my wovens. And then I have another cabinet next to it where it's all of my knits of various my persuasions. Goodness. So yeah, I don't have, my thing is if it doesn't fit in the cabinet, I can't buy it. Okay. And um, I'm trying to, I would like ideally to get all of my fabric into one cabinet. I feel like I don't need all of that. It's just <laughs> not necessary. I it is very well managed though. It feels very well managed, very well organized. Yeah, it's it's much it's much better now than having them hidden in different places and being surprised when I open something up. I'm like, I didn't even know I had this. There's what I there in my knit cabinet, there are a couple pieces, they're exact same pieces, the exact same length, because I didn't realize I had already bought it. So I really liked it. So yay. <laughs> yeah. So now you have more. Yeah. Yeah. I have more, but like, I love when I surprise myself with great. Right. <laughs> Some um, people call it a bad memory. I call it generosity. <laughs> but yeah, I, all fabric has to fit in the cabinet. And then I like to save scraps. I like to make a lot of mock-ups. And so in the storage ottoman, oops, let's see here is where I keep all scraps of oh, like nice. larger sizes so if I need to oh I want to like oh I have a little bit of like linen let me just mock up some pockets or I also have a giant roll of muslin fabric so uh -huh. I use that to basically twall everything so yes wow this is so amazing Sarita my goodness this has been so generous and so exciting let me ask you what advice would you give for someone who is starting out sewing in a small space and wants to kind of build a practice as you have about creating a space that, that feeds their soul, that creating a space that inspires and allows for creativity, but they're just starting out, they're in a, a small space, they will be in the small space for quite a while. How, what do they need to get going, to get started? Patience, I think, like where I am today is light years from where I was four, five years ago when I first started. And I, I probably wouldn't even be able to imagine that it looked like this back then. And I think you, it, it just comes to you over time. Like it, it's some people like having everything out at their fingertips. And then some people like things hidden away and you, you won't know what you like until you try. So for me, it's just try something, try anything. If it works, fantastic. If it doesn't, that's great too, because now it doesn't work and you try something else. So I think yes. that would be my, just have patience with yourself. It's not going to be perfect going out and you'll get there eventually. I love it. And on that note, you'll get there eventually. Thank you so much, Sarita Price, for being with us today. Sarita, tell us where we can find you on social media. So I'm on Instagram at Sarita Brianna. 
and that's where I basically share and sew all of my sewing things. And if you like pattern weights or want nice pattern weights for your gift, I'm also on Etsy. I mean, you can find the link in my Instagram profile. Excellent. And I will include the link to the Etsy shop, your Etsy shop in the show notes of this episode, as well as direct links to your Instagram page so people can find you right away. Thank you again so much for being with us today. This was so much fun. I loved it. It was so much fun. I loved it. Thank you for having me on. You've been listening to the Stitch Please podcast the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. We appreciate you supporting us by listening to the podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us with questions, you can contact us at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do that by supporting us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and you can find Black Women Stitch there in the Patreon directory. And for as little as $2 a month, you can help support the project with things like editing, transcripts, and other things to strengthen the podcast. And finally, if financial support is not something you can do right now, you can really, really help the podcast by rating it and reviewing it anywhere you listen to podcasts that allows you to review them. So I know that not all podcasts directories or services allow for reviews but for those who do for those that have a star rating or just ask for a few comments if you could share those comments and say nice things about us at the stitch please podcast that is incredibly helpful thank you so much come back next week and we'll help you get your stitch together